0: Hey guys, happy Tuesday! Whew. All right, it is seven forty something. I'm gonna get my week underway. Started interestingly. The morning was good. No major muck-ups or whatnot. Um, didn't get on my phone too much. A little bit on my phone, but not much. Um, I think that's one big thing that the habit that I really don't like is when I'm on my phone, I just tank the mornings. And like you know, there's all those people that are win the morning, win the day, and they're 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 right, you know, to be honest. You gotta find time to do things sometime to for yourself. So you gotta find an hour for yourself. here and in there. So I find an hour for myself in the morning when I can kind of focus and take my time waking up, do some stretches, stuff like that. But if I'm on my phone, I just completely tank the morning. The morning just sucks. So I've been working on putting my phone in a place and not picking it back up right away. So, another thing that's changing is I am going to do um, just short segments in the morning. Because what I found is when I want to listen to like podcasts and audiobooks and different mentors of mine, um, I can't because all of the time when I normally would listen to them is taken up. And when I'm usually driving outside of work, I'm with my family and stuff like that. And I want to spend time with them. So, and if you haven't noticed, the last few weeks have been rather disjointed. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pack 15 minutes. 18 minutes, depending on my drive to work, um, in the morning, and that's going to be it for the day, so I'm just going to post that, nice and easy, and um, yeah, I don't know how that sounds for you guys, but maybe that sounds like your work commute, instead of a half an hour long podcast, you got to catch back up, whatever, I don't know how long your commute is, anyways, um, that's my thought process, I'm going to do a 15, 20 minute segment in the morning. And maybe a short snippet afterwards, but not promising anything. It might just be a nice, relaxing, detox drive home from work. Yeah. Let me know if you guys dislike that. I don't... At this point, I don't know if anybody's listening, so I'm good with it. But, um, so the next module we're into um, is Module 4, which I still don't really know what a module is other than a fancy name for a chapter, um, which is technical the technical aspect of the game. Chapter one is general aspects of law knowledge. Now, I've said this before, it's about people management, it's not about the law, but the law is the foundation of what we stand on. The problem I have with the law is when people get very analytical and start missing the spirit of the game for the sake of the law. Now, the spirit of the game is dependent on us getting it correct and keeping it fair and consistent however this is where it's going to get into it and really kind of look at you know so learning outcome at the conclusion of this chapter you will have studied the interaction between the basic principles of the game and the law book you should be able to consider the issues involved in the concept of consistency and their impact on your refereeing My refereeing period Blah. Application of the Laws always starts with the understanding of the game, and the referee should never start to analyze the situation on the pitch from the law book. I'm going to read that last sentence again because that's really, really good. Application of the Laws always starts with the understanding of the game, and the referee should never start to analyze the situation on the pitch from the law book. Right there, you're understanding the game first. The spirit, the the ethos, the, the basic way that we play the game then that's where it comes from. That's where the law book comes from and derives its strength from. Um, Jeremy G. Turner describes in his book The Complete Referee, which is 1996 by USA Rugby, three stages for every referee that develops and makes steady progress in his or her abilities to become a better match official. In the shortened version, it reads, Our ignorance is bliss. The first stage is pure enjoyment, usually based on ignorance of the finer points of the refereeing trade. The referee reveling in... Hold on. Slowing down for this trip through this lovely town. All right, go slow. Um, The referee reveling in his newfound authority and exhilarating in his immunity from bruising contests, cheerfully tooting his whistle to no particular purpose. His attention is frequently focused on the ball, thus he tends to miss much of the action around him. If he were fully aware of the potential difficulties and dangers that surround him, he would probably opt for a less challenging hobby. Novice referees tend to leave the offside law to the individual consciences of the participants. play is often ragged pile ups continue too long. Fring- fingers fringe, fringers fringe, and thugs thug. That's where we'll put. Because of, because such matches frequently involve teams having lesser levels of skill, the players may have a grand time, and at the post-match dinner, comments such as "He's a good ref. He let the boys play the game" help swell the novice referee's ego. Unfortunately, these comments also give him a false sense of security. I have had that happen to me. Mainly by going around and looking the part, you can enjoy the fact that they let the boys play and, you know, whatever. So, this is not... This is this is where ignorance is bliss. <laughs> You're having a good time. The boys are playing. Nobody really gets too seriously hurt. Hopefully. And um, we carry on from there. This is the second... Stage of development for referees. This is awesome, by the way, guys. The other stuff is just warm up. This is like, this is like, this is amazing. I love this sort of poetry stuff. I gotta read this book now. The Valley of Death is the second stage of referees. <laughs> That's so awesome. Now, he avidly reads the law book, probably the first time. He fits the words to situations he has experienced. With detailed knowledge comes a little unconscious pedantry. Whatever he might read from or into the law book, he applies rigidly. His dicta- dictum is the law is the law. Turn page. On the pitch. He sets an inflexible standard, which he demands not only of himself, but also of the players. To more experienced referees, the symptoms are obvious. The disease is apparent. The atmosphere at the bar and the bar after the match can become a great, less deal cordial. Players and spectators are less impressed. The referee, on the other hand, is perplexed. He is proud of his knowledge and skills are improving. Yet the very people who loved him earlier are now less kind. Why must they do this? Enter Stage 3, the Dawn of Redemption. This valley may be deep and dark, and it can be long. But after every night, a first finger of sunlight reaches across the valley floor, announcing the coming of the dawn. In this case, it is the realization by the individual referee that his primary task is not to enforce the letters of the law, but to help the players to enjoy a wonderful sport. To achieve this, the referee must not only know the law thoroughly, It is important to understand the law thoroughly, but he must also understand the reasons behind them. He must know how and when each law should be applied. Not merely demonstrate his knowledge, because nobody cares about his knowledge, but to promote competition and skill of which those players are capable within the constraints of fairness and safety. He must become a student of the game, you must observe how players in different positions develop different styles and how each pl- phase of play interacts. The referee's true reward is the satisfaction of having a jo- the job well done. So... And there's this little four-piece graph on the bottom. Uh, so basically the whole point of it is you go from incompetence to awareness to competence and awareness of not just the laws because if you're prancing around blowing the whistle and exhibiting the law knowledge quoted perfectly uh, you're going to get beat up I don't say that as I've ever gotten beat up or I encourage players taking their things out on referees but you're going to get emotionally beat up you're going to get the, the, the sport is not served well by you quoting the law served excellently by you understanding the game and what the purpose of the game is and enjoying the wonderful sport. So, I I loved that. The Dawn of Redemption was amazing. Um, Continuity, safety, and fairness. Enjoyment in rugby is linked to three other great principles of the game. Continuity and contest, safety, fairness, and consistency. So, there's this big whopping circle here. I'm going to try to say it. The overall, the very center is better rugby. Okay? The second circle moving out from there is continuity and contest, safety, fairness and consistency, and enjoyment. Okay? And out from there we have the game and the laws on either side of the circle. And it's a circle that goes around and swirls around in an arrow formation. So it kind of goes from the laws... To analyze, decide the game, play, observe the laws. Okay. Whatever. Um, it is the aim of the team in possession to maintain continuity by denying the opposition the ball and by skillfully, skillful means to advance, carrying, passing, or kicking, and score points. Rugby is a sport which involves running and physical contact. It is very important the players of the game play the game in accordance with the laws of the game and be mindful of the safety of themselves and others. As one team attempts to maintain continuity of possession, the opposing team strives to contest for possession. Contest and continuity are achieved through fairness and equity. (sighs) Back to the humdrum stuff. In applying the law, the good referee will observe and play, will observe play and analyze the player's actions against the word of the law's. You might then decide to interfere with your whistle and to stop the game at any stage. To stop the continuity of play, you need to consider the principles of the game and to consider what laws will help you make the best possible decision. Um, They're using a lot of words to basically say um, maintain your standards, but understand the overarching aspect. The game is for better rugby. Better rugby is played when the game is flowing and people are enjoying themselves and there's a good contest and everybody's playing safe and you're calling the game squarely. Okay? It does not mean that you get every single call correct or that you... I don't know. I don't want to trap myself and say something stupid here. I remember being told this where about I probably about this time when I was really listening to this but it said we want to referee the clear and the obvious <clears throat> if we can referee the clear and the obvious we are an amazing referee like that's just the end of it so if we can nail the clear and the obvious which is 90% of the people see something and we call it and it looks consistent that's a win and in a lot of cases you should call that even if it's not the correct call I say a lot not all but there is a point where you're you're trying to create a spectator sport for the players for the um coaches for the you know for everybody your job is to referee the clear and the obvious. So, I'll come back to that, but I think clear and obvious is a good place to kind of wrap your head around it and be like, all right, what's clear and obvious? For example, I had one situation where I was aring for a guy who was an excellent referee. Was it Twisty? Yeah, Andrew Twisty, yep. Um, and this guy was down the left-hand side, which was my sideline, I was right in line with him, and he was just trucking. And I saw him drop the ball. It hit his foot and went forward. Now, again, I'll have people debate this, but I view that as he dropped the ball onto his foot. It wasn't intentional. It kind of got, like, you know, bumbled about, but it hit his foot. Was it a knock-on? No. Did it look like a freaking knock-on to everybody else on the pitch? Yes. So, I remember we were... Twisty and I were chatting about it and after the game. And he went up to me. The guy scores a try. And um crowd is screaming at me. And I said... Went to his foot. Kicked forward. Play on. And he was blocked. He couldn't see. And afterwards, he's like, Yeah, we probably should have just called that as a knock-on. Because everybody would have been happy. It wouldn't have been one getting away. Um, I was kind of going into from, you know, into the Valley of Despair. So I, I, you know, didn't really understand what that meant. I'm like, but it's the law. And it's like, no, just understand the bigger picture. And clear and obvious would have been, hey, that's a knock-on. You didn't mean to kick it. You lost it forward. And we'll just go back to that, you know. And everybody would have been like, okay, fair enough, no problems. Um, so think of the outcome. Think of all those different things. But um, yeah, I'm going to end it on that note, guys. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day.